Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shame Wash Fitness Podcast. So, if you hear me sneezing, or if you hear me crying, or whatever it may be, it's hay fever. The hay fever has me bad. Not the good kind of hay fever either. It's it's taken over me. But and this, it's ironic because I wasn't going to record this episode today uh, because I was going to put it off, which is ironic because the te- the name of the episode is procrastination. And this is one of these things that a lot of people fall into and it's come from a couple of questions that have come from clients some in the group in team swf and some on the group coaching aspect there's a little bit of some questions coming in procrastination we all fall into it in some shape or form i think it's understand that it's a challenge we've all faced at some point or another for as long as humans have been around we have been struggling with delaying kind of avoiding and procrastinating on issues no, no matter uh on issues that matter to us and we need to understand what really what it is first and the modern definition of what procrastination is, is it's an act of delaying or postponing a task or a set of tasks. So whether you refer to it as procrastination or something else, it's the force that prevents you from following through on what you set out to do. And I think ears are going to start to break up now in what I've just said. It stops you from setting out, from doing what you set out to do. So it's important to understand why we actually do procrastinate. Definitions are great, but why do we actually do it? or not do it is the case. What is gonna go, what's going on in the brain and what causes us to avoid things that we know we should be doing? This is a good time to bring in some science into what we're gonna be talking about. So behavioral psychology research has revealed a phenomenon called time inconsistency, which helps explain why procrastination seems to pull us in despite of good intentions. Time consistency refers to the tendency of the human brain to value immediate resorts, rewards more than highly more highly than future awards. So time inconsistency refers to the tendency of the human brain to value immediate rewards more highly than future awards. So the best way to understand this is like imagining, like imagining that you have two selves, your present self and your future self. When you set goals for yourself, like losing weight or writing a book or learning a language, you are actually making plans for your future self. You are envisioning what you want your life to be like in the future. So some researchers have found that when you think about your future self, it is quite easy for your brain to see the value in taking actions with long-term benefits. The future self values long-term rewards. However, while the future self can set goals, only the present self can take action. When the time comes to making a decision, you are no longer making a choice for your future self. Now you're in the present moment and your brain is thinking about the present self. Researchers have discovered that the present self really likes instant gratification, not a long-term payoff think about the dopamine hit from social media so the present self and future self are often at odds with one another the future self wants to be trim and fit but the present self wants a donut sure everyone knows you should eat healthy today to kind of like avoid being overweight in like 10 20 years or whatever it may be but consequences like an increased risk for diabetes or heart failure are years away similarly when when you're kind of young and you know that saving for retirement is crucial in your 20s or 30s but the benefit of doing so is like ages away or you keep putting it off it is far easier for the present self to see the value in buying a new pair of shoes or a bag or clothes or whatever it may be rather than socking away 100 quid for 70 year old you if you're curious there are some really good evolutionary reasons for why our brain values immediate rewards more highly than actual long-term rewards This is one reason why you might go to bed feeling motivated to make a change in your life, but when you wake up, you find yourself falling into bad old patterns. So think about it. You think you're going to go into the gym next morning. You're really, really motivated. That's set in stone. And then when you wake up the next morning, that's not what happens. Your brain values long-term benefits. 
when they are there in the future or tomorrow, but it values immediate gratification when it comes to the present moment, which is today. So there's a thing called the procrastination action line. You cannot rely on long-term consequences and rewards to motivate the present self. Instead, you have to find a way to move future rewards and punishments into the present self. You have to make the future consequences become present consequences. This is exactly what happens during the moment when we finally move beyond procrastination, procrastination and take action. So, for example, let's say you have a report to write at work. You've known about it for weeks and continue to put it off and day after day. So it seems students who listen to this uh, potentially have done exams. They're like, I've done this. And we've all been there. You experience a little bit of nagging pain, anxiety about thinking about this paper you have to write, but not enough to do anything about it. Then suddenly the day before the deadline, the future consequences turn into present consequences and you write that report hours before it's due. The pain of procrastinating finally escalates and you cross that action line. So if you think of it like, an axis so on the left axis will be the pain and on the bottom axis will be a time and there's a bell curve on the left hand side will be procrastination and at the top of that bell curve there'll be an action line at the bottom at the right hand side it will be action and that will dip down there's something really really important to note here as soon as you cross the action line the pain begins to subside in fact being in the middle of procrastination is often more painful than being in the middle of doing the work so if you think about that chart point a in the chart is above is is above often more painful than point B. The guilt, the shame, the anxiety that you feel while progressing are usually worse than the effort and energy that you have to put into while you're working. The problem is not doing the work, it's starting the work. So there's a couple of amazing books, uh, The War of Art and Do the Work. They talk about just start. So if anyone wants to write a book, just start. Start writing the pages. There's another amazing book called Deep Work and they talk about like that people wait for this kind of like epiphany moment to come to them. Artists, creative people, these creative people are always looking for like incredible epiphany moments. But I, I saw a documentary recently on Sky Arts, look at me being all fancy, and it was an interview with Noel Gallagher. So Noel Gallagher is one of my favourite artists of all time and he was talking about he, he keeps chipping away each day and with the other artists will kind of wait for this epiphany. But it's important to, to kind of keep going, keep going, keep chip, chip, chipping away for that task to happen. So if we want to stop procrastinating, then we need to make it easy as, as possible for the present self to get started and trust that motivation and momentum will come after we begin. Motivation often comes after starting, not before, which I think a lot of people get mixed up on. Motivation often comes after starting, not before. So some people will think that like motivation will start the car, but it only really turns the key, but you've got to drive to where you want to go. And that's what motivation truly is. You drive where you want to go. So how to actually stop procrastinating right now. So there are there's loads of different strategies that we can kind of employ to stop procrastinating. And some of the actions that I'll talk about, there's a few options that I'm going to talk about. But option number one is make the rewards of taking action more immediate. So if you can find a way that make the benefits of long-term choices more immediate, then it becomes easier to avoid procrastination. One of the best ways to bring future rewards into the present moment is with a strategy known as temptation bundling. So temptation bundling is a concept that came out of behavioral economics research performed by Katie Milkman at the University of Pennsylvania. So simply put, the strategy used that you bundle a behavior that is good for you in the long run with a behavior that feels good in the short run. So what it could look like is the basic format is only do in brackets thing you love, close bracket, while doing something that you would procrastinate on. So here are a few common examples that kind of come up in examples of temptation bundling. Only listen to audiobooks or podcasts you love while li- while exercising. Only get a pedicure while processing overdue work emails. 
Only watch your favorite show while ironing or doing household chores. Only eat your, at your favorite restaurant while conducting your monthly meeting with a difficult colleague. Then the other one that you can kind of come up with option two is make the consequences of procrastination more immediate. So there are many ways to force you to pay the cost of procrastination sooner rather than later. For example, if you're exercising alone, skipping your workout next week won't impact your life much at all. Your health won't deteriorate immediately because you missed that one workout. The cost of procrastinating on exercise only becomes painful after weeks and weeks of lazy behavior. However, if you commit to working out with a friend at 7am next Monday, then the cost of skipping your workout becomes more immediate. Miss this workout and you look like a brick. Another common strategy is use a service like uh, Stick to place a bet. So if you don't if you don't do what you say you'll do, then the money goes to a charity you hate. The idea here is here is that you put skin in the game and create a consequence that happens if you don't do the behavior right now. And then option three, design your future actions. One of the favorite tools psychologists use to overcome procrastinators is a called a commitment a commitment device. Okay. So what is a commitment device? A commitment device can help you stop procrastinating by designing your future actions ahead of self ahead of time. So, for example, you can curb your future eating habits by purchasing food on an individual packets rather than the bulk size. So stop buying the, the multi-packs. You can stop wasting your time on your phone by deleting games and social media apps. You can also block them with like the apps of freedom. Okay? Similarly, you can reduce the likelihood of mindless channel surfing by hiding your TV in a press and only take it out on big game days or whatever it may be. You could also voluntarily ask to be added to, to the banned list at casinos or block gambling sites you can also build an emergency fund by setting up an automatic uh, transfer funds into your savings account. Or These are all examples of commitment devices that help to reduce the odds of procrastination. So if you're afraid of saving, just put it on direct debit. Put it into your account. That's what I do with my savings is that I don't even see it go out. It's literally automated. It's like your bills. It's the exact same concept. So option four is make the task more achievable. As we've already covered, the friction that causes procrastination, procrastination usually centers around starting a behavior. Once you begin, it's often less painful to keep working. This one this one is a good reason to reduce the size of your habits before because if your habits are small and easy to start, then you will be like, like less likely to procrastinate. So one of my favorite ways to make habits easier is to use the two-minute rule. And this is popularized by James Clear, which is the, who is the author of Atomic Habits. And in that, they state that when you start a new habit, it should like take less than two minutes to do. So the idea is to make it as easy as possible to get started and then trust the momentum will carry you further into the task before you begin. So once you start doing something, it's easier to continue to do it. The two minute rule overcomes procrastination and laziness by making it easy to start taking action that you can't say no to. Another great way to take, to make more tasks more achievable is to break them down. For example, consider the remarkable productivity of the famous writer, Anthony Trollope. He published 47 novels, 18 works of nonfiction, 12 short stories, two plays, an assortment of articles and letters. How did he do it? Instead of measuring his progress based on the competition or the completion of chapters of books, Trollope measured his progress in 15-minute 15 15 increments. If you try this, this will change your life, by the way. He set a goal of 250 words every 15 minutes, and he continued this pattern for three hours each day. This approach allowed him to enjoy feelings of satisfaction and accomplishment every 15 minutes while continuing to work on the large task of writing a book. So if someone comes to me and they say they don't have time, I and they say the time management is poor, 
I will look at what they're doing for the day. I will look at what they're doing and figure out what they're doing, but I need to understand what they're doing and marking out what they're doing every 15 minutes or 30 minutes into intervals. Then they must log that on a piece of paper and they'll realize how much time they're actually ending up scrolling or answering emails. We could easily be distracted and that's ultimately what's putting us off because we're looking for that instant reward. Making your task more achievable is important for two reasons. Small measures of progress help to maintain momentum over the long run. So if you're consistently saving money over time, that's going to add up to more money, the compound effect. The faster you complete a productive task, the more the more quickly your day develops an attitude of productivity and effectiveness. So I have found kind of like the second point, the speed with which you complete your first task of the day to a particular importance for overcoming procrastination and maintaining a high productive output at day after day. So for me is my walk. First thing in the morning. If I want to get a cup of coffee or a glass of water or whatever it may be, I get my water, go for a walk, go get a cup of coffee. So I'm procrast I'm I'm not I'm kind of getting that done within 40 minutes to an hour or whatever it may be. I'm also getting an audiobook in. So I'm I'm ticking four or five habits all at once with the first thing in the morning. And at the speed, because I'm not aiming to go out for three hour walk. I'm aiming to go out for 40 minutes to an hour. I'm starting small, but I built that up from 20 minutes. So the other thing is like being consistent on how to kick the procrastination habit. So we've covered a variety of strategies for beating procrastination on a daily basis. So now we have to kind of go through some of the ways to make productivity a longer term habit and prevent procrastination from creeping back into our lives. So the some of the experts or the daily routine so-called experts recommend for peak productivity. So one reason it is so easy to sleep back, slip back into procrastination time after time is because we don't have a clear system for deciding what is important and what we should do work or work on first realistically. We're trying to do everything. We're great at creating to-do lists, but none of them actually stand out to us. And Mark Manson talks about like if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a no. If it's a nine out of ten important, then it's a no. And this is important to have a system goal, an orientated goal that will actually have leverage into your into your life. What who else will it impact? Will it only impact you, or is it just going to impact the rest of your life? If if you're not saving your money, you may not be able to go on that staycation or that holiday, or buy that house you're looking for. So one of the best productivity systems I found is one of the most simple. It's called the I think it's called the Ivy Lee method, and has six steps. So at the end of each workday, write down the six most important things you need to accomplish tomorrow. Do not write down more than six. Only six. Limit it to six. Prioritize these six items in order of their true or importance. All right. So then in ranking importance, one to six. When you arrive tomorrow, concentrate only on the first task. Work until the first task is finished before moving on to the second. So you can't go from one to six, two to five or whatever. Maybe it has to go one, two, three, four, five, six. And you can't move on to the next one until one is complete. Approach the rest of your list in the same fashion. At the end of the day, move any unfinished items to a new list of six tasks for the following day. So if you don't complete, say, three, four and five or six, they have to be moved over to the next day and recalculate those into what's order of importance. Repeat this process every working day. This is really, really important. So what makes it so effective and simple is the primary critique of methods like this one is that they're too basic. Sometimes we overcomplicate things as humans. We're so good at it. They don't account for all of the complexities and nuances of life. What happens if an emergency pops up? What about using the latest technology to our fullest advantage? In my experience, complexity is often a weakness because it makes it hard to get back on track. Yes, emergencies and unexpected scratches will arise, but they won't happen all the time. Ignore them as much as possible, deal with them when you must, and get back to your prioritized to-do list as soon as possible. Use simple rules to guide complex behaviors. This list also kind of enforces you to make tough decisions. 
I don't believe there is anything magical about kind of like least number of six important tasks per day. It could just easily as be five, four, three, two, one, or whatever it may be. However, I do think there is something magical about imposing limits upon yourself, about not aiming for the 10 or shooting for the stars with all those numbers. I find that the single best thing to do when you have too many ideas or when you're overwhelmed is to prune your ideas and trim away everything that's absolutely necessary. Constraints make you better. Plans make you better. Focus makes you better. Lee's method is similar to Warren Buffett's. I think it's a 20, 25 to 5 rule, which requires you to focus on just five critical tasks and ignore everything else. Basically, if you commit to nothing, you'll be, distract, you'll be distracted by everything. So Warren Buffett's 25 to 5 rule, which requires you to focus on just five critical tasks and ignore everything else. Basically, if you commit to nothing, you'll be distracted by everything. Think about it. It removes the friction of starting. The biggest hurdle to finish to finish your most tasks is starting them. Getting off the couch can be tough, but once you're actually started running, it's actually so much easier to finish your workout. Lee's method, which we spoke about a second ago, forces you to decide on the first task the night before you go to work. So outlines the plan for the next day. This strategy has been incredibly useful for me as someone who does content, someone who helps clients, someone who creates podcasts. I can waste three or four hours like when should I press record or whatever it may be if I really want to I am I going to who am I going to reach out to I could easily do that it's so simple but it works in the beginning getting started is just as important as succeeding at all it also requires you to kind of single single task modern society loves multitasking we think that badge of honor is doing more and more and more and more and stress we wear it as a badge of honor and that being Busy is synonymous with being better. The exact opposite is true. Having fewer priorities leads to better works. So study world-class experts in any field. Athletes, artists, scientists, teachers, CEOs, and you'll discover one characteristic runs through all of them. The, the reason is simple. You can't be great at one task if you're constantly dividing your time 10 different million ways. Mastery requires focus and consistency. So how often have you tried to be cooking the dinner and doing work at the same time you can't do it so why not try to say to yourself well i'm going to do an hour or two after i cook dinner of work when the kids are going to bed you split the two things apart with two different goals and two different entities but you've both got that you've got both things done you cannot multitask regardless of what, what method you use the bottom line is this do the most important thing first each day and let the momentum of the first task carry you on to the next one so Another way on how to avoid chronic procrastination is with visual cues. And I'm quite a visual person, so I, if I see an article or whatever, I am not very eco-friendly. I sometimes have to print it out. I have my whiteboard above my head here, and I have my targets, my KPIs, who am I on the podcast, what my goals of the week are, what I set on Sunday. And it really, really helps me because then I can take it off once it's done, and it's quite fulfilling. And you get this dopamine hit once you complete a task. So on a Sunday, I write out, what my goal is for the week what's it where are they are they aligned with my 12-week goal or my six-week goal or my year-long goal to where i want to go and i'll tick them off and add them on to what i want to do so kind of another way to kind of overcome the trap of kind of chronic procrastination is to use visual cues trigger your habits and measure your progress so a visual cue is something you can see a visual reminder so the whiteboard that promises you to take action and some of the reasons why they're important kind of for beating procrastination is they remind you to start a behavior so we often lie to ourselves about our ability to remember to perform a habit 
So something like, oh, I'm going to start eating healthier for real this time. A few days later, however, the motivation fades and the busyness of your life begins to take over again. Sound familiar? Hoping you will simply remember to do a new habit is usually a recipe for failure. This is why a visual stimulus can be so useful. It is much easier to stick with good habits when your environment nudges you in the right direction. Visual cues also display your progress on a behavior. Everyone knows consistency is essential for a component of success, but few people actually measure how consistent they are in real life. Having a visual cue like a calendar that tracks your progress avoids that pitfall because it's a use, it's, it is a built-in measuring system. Everyone uses a calendar. Everyone uses a work calendar. They can see their meetings. They have their social life booked in the calendar. They have meetings with friends booked on this calendar. They have date nights booked in the calendar. But they haven't got you time or whatever it may be on their calendar. Look One look at your calendar and you can immediately have a measure of your progress. You're ticking it off as you go along, putting an arrow through it or whatever it may be. And I'll talk about a couple of different uh, methods down further further on. Visual cues can have an addictive method or an addictive effect on kind of motivation as well as a visual evidence of your progress mates. It is natural to become more motivated to continue the habit. The more visual uh, progress you see, the more, va- mo- mo- more motivated you'll become to finish the task. There are a variety of popular behavioral economic studies that refer to this. The endowed progress effect, seeing your previous progress is a great way to trigger your next productive section. So two of my favorite strategies that use visual cues are the paperclip strategy, which is helpful for beating procrastination day after day, and the Seinfeld strategy, which is great for maintaining consistency over a long period of times. Seinfeld, yes, it is the comedian, by the way. So yeah, it's really, really interesting. So the paperclip strategy is I'm going to tell you the story and tell you the background first. So in 1993, a bank in Canada hired a 23-year-old stockbroker named uh, Trent uh, Deersmond. Okay, it, the place in Canada was a relatively small kind of town tucked away in Vancouver, and where where most kind of the main business deals were made. The Trent was a rookie in what he did, and not much was expected of him. But he made quite like brisk progress, uh, thanks to a kind of simply simple daily habit. To be honest with you, um, and he began each morning with two jars on his desk. One was filled with 120 paper clips; the other was empty. As soon as he settled in each day, he would make a sales call. Immediately after, he would move one paper clip from the full jar to the empty jar, and the progress or the process would begin again. Every morning, I would start with 120 clips in one jar and I would keep dying the phone until I had moved all of them to the second jar. Okay. So within 18 months, Trent was bringing in $5 million to the firm. By age 24, he was making $75,000 per year, the equivalent of $125,000 today. Not long after, he landed a six-figure uh, figure job with another company. So when... Um, Trent uh, Trent Dearsman was asked about the details of a habit he kind of spoke about how he did it and in one of the interviews that I read about the whole thing was he would start calling at about 8am every day never looked at a stock quote or a, a, analyst research he also never read the newspaper He, uh, if the news is really important he would have found out from other ways people would have told him whatever it may be but this story has got evidence of simple truth success is often a result of committing to the fundamentals over and over again. Fundamentals is commitment. Repetition over time. How does a muscle build? Repetition. 
continued stressor on the muscle. That's how it grows. Compare trance results to where you are. And I often find ourselves. We want to be consistent with our workouts, but struggle to make it into the gym. We know we should write more thank you notes. We know we should be sounder to other people. We know we should put notes, uh, thank you notes out. We know we should eat healthier meals, read more books, but we don't find the so-called motivation to get it done. We'd like to achieve our goals, but still procrastinate on them. What makes the difference? Why do some good habits stick while others fail? Why did Trent's paperclip strategy work so well and what can we learn from it? And one of the things is that it's the power of the visual cue. So it's brings it back to like I believe the paperclip strategy works particularly well because it causes a or creates a visual trigger that can help motivate you and motivate a trend to perform a habit with more consistency you know when your bank account starts to go up or you're saving for something you can see the same thing you're seeing the numbers going up so you're, you're being more consistent you might trip in a little bit more here and there I've seen from people who have employed it in a variety of ways so one uh, one person I know was shifting a hairpin from one container to another whenever she wrote a page of a book. Another guy was moving marble from one bin to the next day after a set of push-ups. So making progress is really, really satisfying. And visual measures like moving paper clips or hairpins or marbles provide clear evidence of your progress. As a, as a result, they reinforce your behavior a little bit and kind of give you that immediate, um, immediate satisfaction to any activity. So some of the reasons that visual cues can work for building new good habits is they remind you to start a behavior. They're on your desk. You're sitting at your desk working from home these days when this is being recorded in June 21. We often lie to ourselves about our ability to remember to perform a new habit. We really, really do. But a few days later, however, the motivation fades, the so-called busyness of life or whatever it may be comes back in. But few people actually measure how consistent they are with anything in real life. The paperclip strategy actually avoids that pitfall because it's a built-in measuring system. It's on your desk where you're working. So you have the paperclips, you have to move them over to whatever it may be. It could be with your training every day you're, before you leave the house. When beside your protein shaker or beside your coffee machine, you must move a marble or whatever, maybe your penny into the jar beside it so that you're going to go to the gym. That's going to be your cue. So the first thing you go to in the morning, put it beside that. If you're sitting at a desk all day, put it beside that. They can be really, really addictive. And one of the other things is it can be used to drive short-term and long-term motivation. It can provide daily motivation, but you start from scratch each day. The other thing is a thing called don't break the chain calendar. And it's, we'll talk about that in a sec. It's, 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 the, the, the Jerry Seinfeld method which we'll talk about in a sec but if you kind of merge these two together you can create a set of visual cues that motivate and measure your habits over the short and long term so in order to kind of create your own paper uh, clip strategy there are all sorts of ways to do this and if you're hoping to bring you some relevant examples for like fitnessy stuff so and work stuff so make it more practical you're hoping to do 100 push-ups each day Start with 10 clips and move one each time you drop down and do a set of throughout the day. Need to do 25 sales emails every day. Start with 25 paper clips, toss one to the other side before you click send. Want to drink eight glasses of water each day, start with eight paper clips and slide one over each time you finish the glass. Not sure if you're taking your medication three times a day, set three paper clips, flip it one into the bin each time you swallow your, 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 your clips. 
this will not cost you much. You probably have clips or pens or pennies or whatever it may be around the house. Pick your habit. Pick what you want to do and start. So if you're looking for like, oh, I, I must go for a walk. Before you go for your walk, move the jar out, move the penny over or do it on the way back and take it off. This worked for him because it came down to one core task, making more sales. He discovered that mastering the fundamentals is what makes the difference. The same is true for your goals. There is no secret sauce. There is no magic bullet. Good habits are the magic bullet. They are the trigger. They are the bullet that gets released by that trigger. You just got to pull it. So then the next strategy we're going to talk about is Seinfeld strategy, and that's Jerry Seinfeld. So whoever has watched Seinfeld on TV or what it depends what age you are, but Jerry Seinfeld is one of the most comedi- most famous actors and most successful comedians of all time. Uh, he, I think he's regarded as one of the top 100 comedians of all time, I think it is. Uh, he was also the creator of Seinfeld, the, long, the long-running sitcom. And it, yeah, he was, according to Forbes, I think it was, reached his peak in earnings when he made $267 million in 1998. That's in one year. A full 10 years later, Seinfeld was pulling in a cool $85 million per year. You can also see him if you watch the the, the program on Netflix with Michael Jordan. He appears in that. He appears in the dressing room. By almost any measure of wealth, popularity, and critical, critical acclaim, Jerry, Fein, Jerry Seinfeld is one of the most successful comedians out there, writers and actors of his generation. But what's even more impressive isn't about the earnings or the special moments or the accolades. It's a remarkable consistency of it all. Show after show, year after year, he performs, creates and exercises at a highly incredible, high standard. He produces with a level of consistency that most of us wish we could bring to our daily work. Compares us to where you and I often find ourselves. We want to create but struggle to do so. We want to exercise but fail to find motivation. Cool story. Wanting to achieve our goals but for some reason or another we will procrastinate on them. What's the difference? What strategies does Jerry Seinfeld use to be procrastination consistently produce quality work? What does he do each day like most people don't? So what he does that's very, very different is there's a famous story of a guy called Brad Isaac. He was a young comedian and he, he was just brand new on the comedy circuit and he one fateful night he actually found himself talking to Jerry Seinfeld uh, where he was performing and he shared kind of what happened and he said he kind of asked the question was is there a way to be a better comic or a way to create better jokes and the way to create better jokes was to write every day he said the better the best way to create to be a better comic was to create better jokes and to, the way to create better jokes was to write every day so Seinfeld told him that a bit, he had a big wall calendar and a, that had like a 12 month the whole year 365 days and each day he would have it on a wall right in front of him so say if I'm sitting at my desk right now I've got my whiteboard but imagine that's a calendar for every day of a, of a joke or every day of writing he would mark a big red X on the calendar and take it off so that that could be done something for you like for going for a walk that could be something of right did I have three days uh, did I have three regular portions of protein into my meals every day did I ring a friend did I walk the dog after a few days you'll have this chain it's like a daisy chain just keep at it, keep adding to it, and the chain will grow longer every day. You'll see that chain, especially when you get a few weeks under your belt. So if you have one of those calendars that has the full calendar or the full um, month, 
in one straight line rather than having to flip over a page you'll see it on you'll see these x's going through and be like a daisy chain you'll also notice that seinfeld didn't talk to isaac about anything about results it didn't matter if he was motivated or not it didn't matter if he was writing great jokes or not it didn't matter if he was working on what or what other show he could be working on all that matter was not breaking that chain so if you're competitive in any way that could work for you and that's one of those simple secrets behind Seinfeld's remarkable productivity and consistency. For years, the, the comedian simply focused on not breaking the chain. So it's like when you're in school and you want non-sick days or you're going to work, how many days did you not miss in a row or whatever it may be? You sometimes hear that on American TV shows. So we need to, like, if we can apply Seinfeld's strategy into your life, what would it look like? So like top performers in every field athletes musicians ceos they all are more consistent than their peers it's the only thing that makes them stand out yes some of them have raw talent or whatever it may be they show up every day and they don't get bogged down in the urgency of daily life there's nothing there's nothing unique between or about you or i there's nothing unique about me or someone else or you and Cristiano ronaldo or whatever it may be you shouldn't be relying on motivation if you truly want to do something, you will do it. While most people get actually demotivated and off track after a bad performance, a bad workout, or simply a bad day at work, top performers settle right back into the pattern. You have to understand there will be bad days. There have to, you, ha you have to understand that. You can't, have rain, you can't have a rainbow without rain. The Seinfeld strategy works because it helps to keep the focus off each individual performance and puts the emphasis on the process instead. It's not about how you feel how inspired you are or how brilliant you are or how brilliant your work is that day instead it's just about not breaking the chain it's just about doing something all you have to do is, is simply apply this strategy to your own life picking up a calendar which isn't expensive and start your chain there's kind of one caveat towards this though um you need to pick a task that is meaningful enough to make a difference so are you saving or are you trying to cut cigarettes out or are you trying to do cut down on your or trying to get walks in or trying to go to the gym or whatever it may be I wouldn't encourage you to go to the gym seven days a week by the way um, but it would be wonderful if you could kind of like write pages or 10 pages a day for a book or a blog or whatever you may be have you posted every day if you've got a social media page if you're a PT are you doing more consistent are you texting someone are you are you talking to someone brand new in the gym if you're a PT? That could be something. Because most people won't do that. Most PTs won't do that. They'll sit there with their mates or whatever maybe rather than trying to be proactive and getting clients. Pick a task that's actually sustainable enough and easy enough for you. So doing 10 push-ups could be simple and meaningful depending on your level of fitness. It could actually make you stronger. Meanwhile, reading a fitness book each day is simple but it won't actually make you get better in better shape. Choose tasks that are simple to maintain and capable of producing the outcome you want. We can all read about nutrition. We can all listen to as many podcasts as we want. But how many of us have actually applied the information? How many books have you read and podcasts have you listened to that actually applied the information? So how many of you are going to listen to this right now and apply this to your lives? You maybe get a little bit of a kick in the backside from, from it for about 24 hours. But then we'll potentially move on to the next thing, the next gimmick, the next new shiny object, 
rather than trying to put this and implement this into our lives. Another way of saying something is to focus on actions and not not motions, which is a concept that I explained in kind of the mistake that smart people make. Mastery follows consistency. The central question that ties community and a lot of people and a lot of people are at the elite level is is how do you live a healthy life a lot of people want to figure that out and this isn't only nutrition this isn't only exercise but it's an exploration of an adventure creativity connection community but no matter how many people you actually talked about we all have a different different definition of healthy life you need to mark the chain break the chain so if you want to create something one by one how do you get up a step one by one it's the exact same thing how do you get into one by one how do you get into that routine don't break the chain because of your motivation don't break the chain because you don't feel like it if you're consistently more missing more days than you are making days well then you need to look at what your actual goal is mastery follows consistency so consistency comes first then mastery follows don't rely on willpower it's like a battery it's like a muscle it will tire it's like a battery it will fade out mastery follows consistency so we've gone through an awful lot of on procrastination there why it happens the little tools that have helped there as well so i really really hope that that has landed with some people that we can't keep relying on motivation we can't really keep putting things off if it's something that we actually want to do there's no difference between you or someone else that you're idolizing or whatever it may be there's absolutely no difference there really really isn't mastery follows consistency so guys if you have any more episodes that you want me to record or anything like that there's topics so i know we've had we've been very very lucky and some of the messages that were kind of coming through after some of the guests that have come in have been nuts um and it's important for me to understand what you guys want it's important for me to understand who you want it's important for me i will continue to put out the podcast as long as you guys are listening if the if the listenership goes down uh or whatever it may be but i know where i want the podcast to go i know and i know chip 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 it away first episode was rubbish 180 188 or 190 i think this is 188 or 190 uh, i haven't decided where it's going to go in yet but it's recorded uh, so i did action because it's been consistency over mastery the day i have it all or the day i think i know it all with what i'm doing with talking on or interviewing there's always something i come out of an interview and say well i could have said this differently it's a bad kind of action over consistency don't believe that you are different don't let something hold you back don't let other people hold you back if it's something that you truly want to do go for it if it's something you truly really want to do go for it but you also have to ask yourself are you willing to put the graft in there will be knocks there will be lows there's things you don't see on social media because social media is a highlight reel there's things that you don't see from myself like I didn't want to record this today because of the way I'm feeling physically and mentally right now because of the hay fever the hay fever has me really bad today but I was like no I have the time I have it booked in for my day today so I will sit here for 40-45 minutes record this episode because I know it will help someone and that's why I record this because I know if I'm consistent enough something will land 
So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode about procrastination. If you want any more episodes uh, or content or whatever it may be, do pop us a message. Uh, thank you again for listening, guys. If you have enjoyed the episode, please do tag us up on your story. Please do pop us a message um, with your support. Please do continue to tag and share. The more you do so, the more downloads. Remember to press that download button. That's what gets the stats up. And that's what gets it higher in the charts. It's not just it's not just listening to it. Pressing the download button will get the, the stats up. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode.